Welcome to episode three of Kidney Transplant Conversations, our regular podcast dedicated to the kidney transplant journey, exploring quality health delivery, inclusion, diversity, equity, and access. I'm Rolf Taylor, your host and series producer. All views and opinions expressed in this podcast reflect those of the participants. In our last episode, we met with Jose and Ciamara Flores and heard about their five-year journey from kidney disease diagnosis to their live donor transplant, which took place at the University of North Carolina Transplant Latino Kidney Clinic during the pandemic in late 2020. For our guest today, this story is the culmination of a very intentional vision, a strategic decision to integrate a Latino-focused kidney clinic with the Abdominal Transplant Division at UNC Chapel Hill. Since being established in 2018, they've gone on to demonstrate how workforce diversity and cultural competency go hand-in-hand in the delivery of quality care. We're delighted that the clinic's transplant social worker, Daniela Matz, and clinic founder, Dr. Pablo Serrano, can join us today for part two to look back on Jose and Ciamara's story share with us insights into how the clinic works and how they've been able to reduce transplant disparities. So now we're going to visit with two leaders from the University of North Carolina Transplant Latino Kidney Clinic, Daniela Matz and Dr. Pablo Serrano. Daniela is a transplant social worker and in addition to discussing her experiences at the clinic, she's going to talk about her role as Chair of Multicultural Issues at the Society of Transplant Social Workers. Dr. Pablo Serrano is Assistant Professor of Transplant Surgery at UNC. He founded the Latino Kidney Clinic with a vision to ensure culturally sensitive care provision and to address the disparity of relatively low numbers of Latinx patients accessing kidney transplants. So first of all, thank you so much for bringing your patients, Jose and Ciamora Flores, to the podcast for the first part of our discussion about the Latino Kidney Clinic. Daniela, you mentioned during our conversation with Jose and Ciamora that it's not just about language and translation. It's really about the Latino culture. So your patients feel safe and secure and comfortable to ask questions, to understand the process. And I think that came over really clearly with Jose and Ciamora. Um, sometimes we forget how important feeling comfortable and secure is to having open and authentic communication that allows a partnership between patients, caregivers, and providers. Could you expand on you know, the importance of that aspect as you see it? That is crucial. Like Ciamara said, I think it starts with the language, of course. Um, a lot of times when other providers don't speak the language, they may cut things a little short and don't explain everything. And then, of course, there is the cultural aspect, understanding the culture, understanding where people are coming from, especially, I think, sometimes with undocumented immigrants looking for transplants. It is very important that they trust us um, and they're able to work with us. And I think something else that came over was that the caregiver role is really crucial um, in your overall assessment of preparing for um, transplant and, and particularly a living donor transplant. There had been previously an assumption that Ciamora couldn't be a caregiver and a donor. And in fact, culturally, this was not for them a, a difficult problem to solve. They were able to get extra help from their family. So it seems like 
you know, prudent, cautious, and risk-averse systems can sometimes penalize certain people. Um, so patients and donors really need to be aware of this and work with the social work team to put in place whatever resources they can. But what happens in the absence of an obvious caregiver, say for, a, for an unmarried person, for example? Well, unfortunately, or fortunately, because they do need a lot of help, patients do need to have caregivers. It's also, it's a requirement from a Medicare, a Medicaid. And so if there's not a family member who can help, we work on uh, asking for support from the community, from friends, and uh, people are able to, to find others that are willing to help. So you can basically volunteer to be a helper in that situation. A, a, a friend or a member of the family can volunteer to take on that role. For sure. I always tell patients that um, uh, people want to help. People like to feel good about themselves. And sometimes they just uh, need to know that you need the help. Um, patients sometimes uh, with their support, it may not be just you know taking care of the patient, but helping with fundraising or helping uh, with finding a donor. Uh, there are many ways that people help and work together. Could I just ask you, Daniela, you have a special role with the Society of Transplant Social Workers, which is to be chair of multicultural issues. Can you tell us a little bit about what that means? Yes, I, I, lead, a, I lead a group um, the, of social workers. They are from all over the U.S., work with uh, different hospitals all over the U.S., and some international as well in Canada, uh, Puerto Rico. And so this is a group where um, we promote awareness and education regarding um, racial and cultural barriers. We have, STSW have a conference every year to also promote education to all the transplant social workers. Um, it's a fairly new profession. And uh, so we also meet every month. We talk about our challenges. We share ideas and what we are doing. Um, so we are really focused on promoting awareness and advocating to close the gap in transplant barriers. It's a wonderful model for um, taking care of patients. Um, and I think, I, you know, there's every opportunity for this model to be adapted, you know, and applied in other, in other categories as well. Dr. Serrano, you came to uh, UNC with a vision to improve access to life-saving surgery. Can you just give us a little bit of background of, of what you had in mind when you, when you started Latino Kidney Clinic? Harold, yeah. Um, so I, I got the opportunity to come to UNC, and one of my goals was to set up a Latino transplant clinic. We know that the uh, Latinx population has a higher incidence of kidney disease. There's a higher incidence of obesity. There's a higher incidence of diabetes. Um, and also, because your family members also have these issues, then you have less uh, donors or less people that are available to donate and to help you throughout this process. Um, so there's multiple papers showing that there's disparities, that the Latinx population, the African-American population, and different minorities have um, less access to transplant. And we wanted to find a way to make this um, as equal as possible and try to reduce these barriers. So we, we decided to come up with a, a Latinx transplant clinic. We didn't want it to be just a translation of um, our English clinic. We wanted it to be something that was uh, culturally sensitive 
and that uh, we could address the differences in our culture and how we behave as Latinx people. So when you first established the clinic, what, what was the kind of rate of kidney transplants in the, in the Latino community in North Carolina? Yeah, so um, our numbers, um, we were having a lot less percentage of uh, Latinx patients getting transplanted from our wait list. They had a longer wait time than, uh, than the rest of our population. Our numbers have gotten a lot better we're getting, um, our referrals have increased over 200%. Our time to, uh, our first appointment has been reduced by about 50%. We have a, almost a 99% uh, show rate to our clinic, and we have increased our number of transplants and living donor transplants also. So what is happening in the clinic that is allowing you to move the needle in, in this way? Um, I think the clinic is a great effort. We have um, a lot of people working in the clinic. Uh, we have an, an administrative person that it's uh, Xiomara Fult that she uh, picks up the phone in Spanish or addresses uh, the voicemails that we have in Spanish and uh, sets up the appointments of the patients, making sure that they understand where they can come at what time, uh, moving it depending on their dialysis requirements. We have our um, Translant coordinator, uh, Lazarina Baez, that goes and arranges all the process of our patients. Uh, we have Maria Mendez, that is our financial social worker, that it's a key part of the clinic, uh, dealing with all the bureaucracy in um, healthcare and dealing with all the cost of it. Uh, we have Daniela, that uh, deals with all the social work issues, the caregiving and the follow-up. I see the medical side of the patients. Uh, what we found out is that with uh, this clinic, a lot of patients got lost in the process because it was so complex to set up an appointment through all these things with a uh, translator. Um, and um, having the patients come, have a, a clear communication with a, with a patient and making sure they understood exactly where they needed to be. Um, you know, this is a big hospital, they have to move around and sometimes just going from one study to another, one, if, you, if you don't know where to call and you cannot call somebody quickly, you might not make it and then lose that appointment and that would set you back a couple of weeks or even a month to get a new echocardiogram or another CT or things like that. And uh, just having somebody that can help you through all that has made everything so much efficient, uh, makes us deal with all these roadblocks and get the patient ready for transplant and the ones that are ready um, into the OR as soon as we can. I'll echo everything Dr. Serrano said. I think also one thing that I'm so grateful for all the people who work in the Latino clinic, they're so passionate about everything they do. Siomara has really been wonderful, uh, really following up with patients. And um, so I think that uh, also makes a huge difference. And just to be clear, that's not the same CMR that we met last week in our episode. No, it's a different one. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to be clear for our, for our listeners. Yes. But I was very struck um, by a couple of things when we talked with, with Jose. Um, one of them was that he had actually been waiting for five years. And, uh, and then when he came to your clinic, um, it sounds like, a big part of the success was being able to remove the roadblocks. Then, you know, the other thing that was really striking was just how deeply he felt 
a sense of loss for those five years. For sure. Um, I think that's that's part of what we're focusing on. You know, a lot of times, you know, we have our, our center is very busy and we have a ton of patients. Uh, and that happens in all the healthcare in general in the United States. And when you have, um, as you say, one of those roadblocks that could be, you know, that that you only speak one language and they you need a translator or um, you you know you live in a different area or you do not have access to uh, healthcare or different different things that we can help with um, you s- sort of get sent to the back of the line or somebody else is going to deal with you um, and that's what happened with Jose and Xiomara uh, they had gone to a couple of places and just because of that uh, they had said that she could not be uh, a living donor for him, that she had to be the caregiver. Um, people were not thorough at, at trying to find if they had more family members that could do that job and then Xiomara could be tested. And, you know, the, the moment that they came here, um, one of the focus of, of the clinic is that we know that um, uh, Latino uh, families, Latinx families, tend to uh, um, have a lot of uh, siblings and making sure that, you know, as long as they know that it's safe and that you can tell the head of the family that this is a safe process, that living donation is success rate is very, very good, that the outcomes are better than a cadaveric transplant, and that, that you can save all this uh, wait time, they can have more people tested and have a good caregiver and a good donor uh, to be able to help their family members. And also you're helping the people that are on, waiting for a kidney because you're taking somebody out of that, of that line and getting people ahead so that everybody benefits. And then also it's statistically unusual that you would have uh, the partner of a patient actually be a good match. Exactly. So that, that was uh, a beautiful story also. Uh, you know, obviously, normally, if, if, if you're related by blood, obviously, your chances of being compatible are way higher because you um, have the same, the, your chances of having the same blood group are very, very high. Um, if you're not, that becomes more difficult. And there's ways that we can find to help you through this process. But the fact that somebody that is not related by blood, a friend, or a spouse in this case can be compatible uh, are not that common. So I think that in this in this scenario was great that we could do the testing and the cross match came back as negative and we could see that they were uh, both compatible and were able to be uh, donor and recipient. Yeah, it's, it's just a wonderful story and uh, and uh, I don't think there's a, a dry eye in the house when they talk about well we knew we were a perfect match anyway we already knew that. They are they're a great match. They they have a great relationship, and I think that this just made their their bond even better. Um, they're done pre-transplant, during the transplant, and after transplant. They've all been always been smiling. They had a great attitude to it. Um, even though Jose talked about all these frustrating times, you know, in dialysis, I think he was still always hopeful and still looking for options to get transplanted. And Daniela, you are um, you're kind of on the front line when it comes to dealing with what we might call the social determinants of health as a transplant social worker. Um, it seems like a, a, a lot of your success is is around your ability to 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 work through complexity. But of course, social determinants um, bring a great deal of complexity to 
potentially to patients. Could you talk a little bit about what are some of the things that you do to overcome um, social determinants that might have disadvantaged a patient? Yes, um, unfortunately, the social determinants of health is it is a systemic issue. So we're not going to fix that on our interactions. Uh, but what we can do is um, it, it is a social work model, really, to meet the people where they are and focus on their strengths. So if, let's say, there are limited finances, um, but you know that they can be very resourceful or we know the resources that are available to them, we work with that. If there are problems with health literacy, we find the strengths of um, caregivers that could be helping them navigate through this. If there is a need you know, to, to talk to them in a very simple way where they can understand the expectations of transplants, we will do that. So we try to um, meet people where they are and focus on strengths. And we've seen that people want to come and want to get help, uh, want to get transplanted. Uh, we keep getting uh, patients every time we have our schedule full. Uh, we're seeing everybody with a nephrologist, with the social workers. They're coming to their appointments. They're coming up for follow-up. So I, I think that it, it shows that, you know, this can be done uh, safely and everybody can benefit from it, the hospital, uh, the patients, the community. So I, I think that it's something that can show the, the success of uh, uh, a well-run clinic. Yeah, I just wonder how many of those um, transplantations would not have taken place if it hadn't been for you having a dedicated clinic. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I think that that's you know, those are the happy moments when you go home and see the patients that we've transplanted and see how grateful they are. Uh, and that's what makes it everything worth it. You know, uh, knowing that we're doing something to help the community and that the, you know, the word of mouth that uh, people say, oh, I came here because this patient that got transplanted here told me that you guys were great and that you were going to help us and that, you know, you were going to help me answer all my questions and that it's going to be safe. So that, that's what makes you think that you're doing the right thing um, running the clinic. Daniela, would you like to add to that? Yes, I would just like to say, you know, the word safety, I think uh, it's very important uh, because especially when you think about emotional safety. I love the story of this patient that heard about the Latino clinic, had been on dialysis for five years. And um, she was working for a company that she was able to have a time leave and FMLA, but they kept telling her she couldn't leave for appointments. And she called our clinic and they uh, passed her to me. And she says, well, I want to do this, but I can't leave. Um, and I said, you, you know, you have an HR, go talk to them. They have to let you leave. She doesn't speak English, so I think that comes the the fear as well, and you know, as being a foreigner, you know. Anyway, she spoke, she went to HR. Of course, they're like, yes, of course, you can make medical appointments. She had five years, and she was just transplanted this year. That's wonderful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and so, again, what, we, what we're hearing is a story of for five years, five years on dialysis, presumably. Mm -hmm. Yes. And... And then, then there's a breakthrough of uh, there's a way to unlock the door, mm -hmm. but it takes yeah. it, it takes it takes intervention. It takes you know problem solving to do that. 
And it takes them feeling comfortable to coming to us. There's been a lot of um, studies showing that a lot of people that are um, Spanish-speaking, even though they have access to Medicare, a lot of times they don't know when they can use it or how they can use it. So uh, part of what we want to have in the clinic was this um, approach where we would teach them what they needed to do. And obviously not everybody's gonna be a candidate, but we can help a lot of people that thought that were not candidates find a way to get transplanted. You know, uh, if you are in a place where um, you're having trouble communicating, getting through the very complex bureaucracy of healthcare uh, can be very, very hard. And one of our goals is to help the patients through this. Because the bureaucracy really is quite a labyrinth, isn't it? And, and you know, that, that's why, you know, Daniela does a great job at talking to patients before, uh, you know, um, Maria does a great job at explaining all the financial situation and Xiomara, uh, Xiomara Fulp helps them through all this whole process also, telling them where to go, what, do they, what can they apply for, what aids they can get or, or, or benefits that they can use to make this process easier and faster. Is that a case of actually running um, classes with groups? So we actually run, run a class. Uh, our setup normally is that the coordinator would have sort of like a one-on-one -on -one with a patient and kind of discuss this and they get a class at the beginning. That's what we do in our regular clinic. For our Latino clinic, what we wanted to do was make a big classroom kind of event where everybody could show up with their families and we could explain everything to them. Because of the pandemic, that has been a little bit rough and we haven't been able to set it up as we want to, but that's kind of our long-term goal where we can have uh, you know, the, the patient with the family members and going through all this process, explaining you know, the uh, loopholes and um, the places where they can ask for support uh, to show them how it's safe. Um, a lot of times it's very common as, as um, Daniela said at the beginning that people don't want to put their family members at risk and making them understand that their family wants to be with them, right? That this time that they're losing for being on dialysis, as Jose talked about, that you cannot go to parties, you cannot go on vacation, you cannot live those moments with your family, are times where your family would much rather go through a procedure and help you be with them and be healthy and live longer. So if you're educating groups and families or you're running a, uh, you're running a, a class or workshop style, are you, are you starting from scratch? You have to always try to start and show them everything from the beginning, teach them from the whole transplant process, the medications, the surgery, how transplant works, donation, um, healthcare system, uh, what they need to apply for, what they require, uh, the, that they're going to have to have um, a caregiver and, and all those things. So it is a process that we try to meet the patient since the beginning so that you know, nobody gets lost in this process for not having the knowledge um, to, be, to come up with. Yeah, I always, um, I tell patients that um, this is a process of empowerment as well, giving them all the information that they need and, um, you know, telling them, you know, the, the pros and the cons and, and uh, you can make informed decisions about everything. So what Dr. Serrano said about starting from the beginning and telling, you know, providing the whole education um, 
it's very important. I think we're doing a great job about that. So hopefully there's going to be a way for you to convene your groups, even though we're in this, you know, who's been vaccinated, who hasn't been vaccinated, is it safe to do this process? So I wish you all the best with that. And I, I, I guess you could use Zoom, but it isn't the easiest way to meet with people. It's, I'm sure face-to-face is better. Sure, sure. And, you know, hopefully this, um, you know, we're able to meet again face-to-face. Um, you know, unfortunately, uh, sometimes with our um, Latinx population, it's hard doing telemedicine or doing video visits uh, due to the fact that a lot of them don't have access to internet. They won't have a smartphone. So that, that also has been something that we have to dealt with. Um, most of our clinics during part of the pandemic, we did transition to uh, telemedicine and having, especially people that were coming from out of the city, uh, have just like a virtual visit. But our Latino clinic stayed the same and we still had it in person because of this. It was so hard to to uh, find that time where we could actually meet with a patient uh, through a computer that we had to understand our population and, and, and know that this is the best way to help them. What are your goals and uh, hopes in terms of developing the, the clinic further? So I, I think that we want to keep growing. Uh, we want to be able to keep doing more research and finding what other limiting factors are for people to come and get transplanted. There are still a lot of people that don't know about the clinic, that uh, don't have access to healthcare, that are lost in some part of the process, and we want to be able to to help them. I hope that we can work a little bit more with the community um, and you know make this process that, uh, as as Jose uh, and Shumaya put it, you know it's one day that suddenly your life changes, right? It's not like a subtle event. Um, one day they tell you where you're going to have to go to dialysis, and that's going to take half of your life. And to go through all that fear, you know, go to a new place and put your life um, on the hands of somebody else and do that through a translator is really, really hard. So being able to talk to somebody in Spanish and talk about your culture, talk about the food, about your family, and feeling at home, I think that is something key. And that's what we want to give to everybody. We want to be able to uh, give that to everybody in North Carolina and whoever wants to, to visit from outside, uh, access to that and be able to, to help as many people as we can. We just, uh, we just want to help people and make them feel at home. Well, you certainly have two wonderful ambassadors in Jose and Siamara. Uh, when I asked her, and you feel okay, you feel okay after having your kidney removed. And she said, yes. And she said, I want to tell you, I feel better. I feel better than before. And it was just so wonderful to see how um, positive and energized they were by, by that whole process that, that you made possible for them. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's great seeing them. I, I, every time that I talk to them, I think that it's a great feeling uh, they're very, very thankful. They have been through a lot, um, just like every other patient that has to go through uh, end-stage renal disease, and then all the confusion that uh, all the changes in your life uh, take you, and then going through transplant and that uncertainty and having uh, the donation process. And they've done great through all of this, always telling us uh, what, what they need, how they feel, 
and uh, working together to make the best out of it uh, with their family. You know, we thought that they would be great ambassadors for for the clinic and for transplant itself, for people that have that, you know, rightfully are can have doubts and can be scared about the process. They can uh, show how it's uh, when it's successful. It's it's a great way to um, help somebody else and, uh, you know, continue with your life and, and with a great quality of life. Yeah, I like the way this, uh, the Xiomara Flores um, normalized and being a donor and saying, I'm helping my husband, uh, you know, anybody can, will, can need a kidney one day. And, and how she normalized that by, she's, I'm great. I helped him and I'm doing great and I'm uh, living a healthier life. And um, it was wonderful to hear. Yeah, that whole motivation about living a healthier life. Um, and being and being conscious about self care when when you have one kidney now. Well, thank you so much. It's been a wonderful collaboration, and um, congratulations on your success, and particularly congratulations in what was a very very difficult year. Thank you so much, Rolf. Uh, thank you for uh, getting the word out and for this great interview, and for getting the word of uh, Jose Anciomara out. Uh, hopefully, we can keep helping more people like them, um, and. You know, we're just grateful to be here and happy to be helping. Yes, I I, I really appreciate this, Ralph. Um, we we're talking about you know the um, the social determinants of health and how this is a big systemic issue. And I think having uh, places um, like this podcast where we can talk about it, we can bring awareness. I think that'll be important. Um, uh, it's an important way to advocate for change. So I really appreciate this. Many thanks to Daniela Matz and Dr. Pablo Serrano for sharing their insights with us today. We've linked to some relevant resources that they recommended, and they're in the podcast description. And thank you to our listeners for joining us today. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider sharing it with others and subscribing on any of the leading podcast platforms and smart speakers. We also thank the participants and advisors who helped create this podcast and our underwriter, Veloxis Pharmaceuticals. Join us again soon for more kidney transplant conversations. Until next time, take care and be well. Copyright Project Advocacy 2021.